Well, today, as, as Reformation Day, this is, for, for many Lutherans and Protestants alike, uh, one of the highest of holy days in the church year, right up with, with Christmas, the incarnation of Jesus, and, and Easter, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. As Lutherans, we have Reformation Day. And, and I have to say that uh, even as a young man, Reformation Day uh, was always an intriguing day for me. Uh, I always was very intrigued by the story of Martin Luther, this German Augustinian monk who, who rebelled against the Catholic Church and, and really claimed the freedom that the gospel brings. As, as he returned to faithful teaching of Christ and, and discovered there freedom from, from burden of, of conscience, freedom from the burden of, burden of sin. And I remember hearing that, that story of, of the way that he entered into the monastery and the way that he, he discovered the scriptures and, and discovered that message of, of grace that those scriptures pour forth. And I just remember loving that story. And one of the reasons that I think I love that story so much is, is that growing up in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, I was very familiar with sort of the, the normal kind of German Lutheran mentality. And not that it's a bad mentality, but it's just one that I, I didn't, always necessarily, uh, didn't always necessarily agree with or, or, or didn't always necessarily feel like I connected with it. See, because if you've been in the LCMS or, or if you've grown up in, in kind of the, the German Lutheran circles, you realize that, that us German Lutherans, we're, we're pretty orderly folk. Uh, we, we like uh, to pride ourselves on our very organized, systematized theology. We, we love clarity in our doctrine. We, we have our distinctions like law and gospel, and don't you dare confuse the two. Right? We, we distinguish between our active righteousness in, in service to others and the passive righteousness that only God accomplishes through Jesus. Right? We distinguish between the left-hand kingdom of, of the world and the right-hand kingdom of the church. We're very orderly, very systematized, and boy, we are rule followers. Uh, we, we like to, to have things as we are. We, we, we follow the rules. We're, we're obedient. We, we, we obey authority. And I think that piece especially for, for me in my, uh, my very millennial anti-establishment sensibilities, that one was always tough for me. I was the kid who when mom said, don't pierce your ears, took that as all the encouragement to go and do it. The kid who every time my parents would roll their eyes at another tattoo, that meant it's time to get another one. <laughs> now, I'm not sort of praising this behavior or this mentality, but, but again, it, it's part of, of the way that I tend to operate. But then there in the midst of our, of our orderly, systematized, German, Lutheran, rule followingness, we have the Reformation. Where this one lowly nobody monk stands up to the big bad Catholic church and says no. Who says, I will not recant. And I think of him nailing the 95 theses on the door of the church in Wittenberg. And I think of the diet of worms and I'm like, yes, that is a story I can get behind. Right? A man who, who with threats on his very life from this authoritarian institution, says, I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. Help me. So help me God. Right? I was like, yes, that is my heritage. 
a man claiming freedom from an, from an oppressive church, a church that had burdened consciences with the weight and the guilt of sin and self-righteousness, and who in claiming the gospel took hold of freedom. And, and it's clear that, that the gospel really is about freedom. As we hear those words from Jesus in John chapter 8, we hear him cry out that he's come for freedom. Jesus is, is teaching as, as he often is, and, and there are a, a group of, of Jews who had gathered around him. And, and John tells us that many of the Jews that are gathered there, they had begun to believe in Jesus. They had begun to believe in his word. They began to believe that, that perhaps this really was the Christ, the Messiah who's come. And to those who are gathered around him, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus says, if you hear my word, if you believe it, if you remain in that word, you're my disciples. And if you're my disciples, if you follow me, Jesus says, you will know the truth and that truth will set you free. A truth will bring you freedom. Now, I think it's often really easy for us to kind of misunderstand what Jesus means by freedom. Because we're Americans, right? We live in the, in the land of the free. And, and usually when we talk about freedom, we mean one of maybe a few things. We mean something like freedom from, from oppressive and unjust taxation. So, so it's the freedom to use the money that I've earned and worked hard for as I please. Or, or we mean something like freedom to make my own choices. Freedom to decide for myself and not have any sort of oppressive institution tell me what I can and cannot do. Or, or perhaps what we mean by freedom is, is equality. It's leveling the playing field so, so that those who, who are in power are, are brought a little bit lower and we lift those who are in poverty up and, and we level the playing field so there's equal opportunities. Now, none of these things in and of themselves are inherently bad or, or, or evil or anything like that, but they're simply not what Jesus is talking about. What, what, what Jesus is talking about when he talks about being set free is not our American sense of, of freedom as a general idea or, or principle. But the language that Jesus uses would, would bring to mind things like real, actual enslavement. Jesus is talking about freedom from imprisonment. Freedom from being behind bars and bearing chains. That's the sort of freedom that Jesus is talking about. And we see the confusion in the audience because he's talking this way, because they realize we are not imprisoned. We are not enslaved. They say, we're offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? Free from what? We have nothing to be freed from. What is this freedom that you're talking about? Now, never mind that the people of God and, and the children of Abraham had experienced slavery in their history. 
The, the fact of the matter is, is they failed to recognize their slavery. They said, because we're children of Abraham, because of our heritage, we already are free. Which isn't much different than the way that we tend to think. I'm an American. I live in the land of the free. I've, of course I'm free. What do you mean the truth will set me free? Free from what? I make my own choices. I freely choose what I can and can't do. What do you mean be set free? I fight to to level the playing field and create opportunity for everyone. What do you mean be set free? You see, Jesus isn't talking about that kind of freedom. Jesus is talking about real, genuine enslavement and imprisonment. A, A sort of enslavement and imprisonment that regardless of the systems and institutions in place, regardless of if you are under the control of some oppressive authority or, or make all of your decisions for yourself, that you will experience all of those things as a form of bondage and enslavement. Jesus continues, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Anyone who practices sin, simply if anyone does sin, if anyone sins, he is a slave to sin. And because of slavery to sin, it doesn't matter how free you think you are, your entire life will be experienced as bondage so long as you are a slave to sin. That's what Jesus says to those gathered. That's what Jesus says to us. If you practice sin, if you sin, you are a slave to sin. And and no matter how much you might think that you are free, no, no matter how much you might think your opportunity gives you freedom, you will experience that as slavery, Jesus says. Anyone who practices sin, anyone who does sin, is a slave to sin. And none of the things that we look to for freedom have the power to do it. It says the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You see, to the Jews gathered around Jesus, they looked to something for their freedom. They thought they were free because they were children of Abraham. And to that, Jesus says, he was a slave just like you. He was enslaved to the same thing you are. Abraham, just like the Jews in Jesus' day, was a slave to sin. And no no amount of claiming that heritage, no amount of obedience to the law of Moses had the power to free them from slavery. And the same is true for you and me. No amount of claiming our Americanness, no amount of claiming I live in the land of the free, I have the power to choose. None of that has the power to set us free from the kind of slavery that Jesus talks about, slavery to sin. There's only one thing that can set us free from that, and it's the Son. The Son sets you free you will be free indeed. 
Jesus doesn't simply come to show us a path out of slavery. Jesus does not simply come to sort of overthrow oppressive institutions. Jesus comes to address the root of all of those things. Sin. He comes to set us free from slavery to sin. Jesus says to you who who are overwhelmed by sin and guilt, you who are ashamed of, of past mistakes that you simply cannot apologize for enough, wrongs that you can't make right, Jesus comes to set you free. Jesus comes and by bearing the cross that we deserve, by bleeding and dying for you, says you are free indeed. He comes and he bears that guilt. He bears that shame so that we would be set free. Jesus comes to you who who are overwhelmed by temptation. People who, who just simply cannot do good enough. People who feel like I will just be defined by my failures for my entire life. And no matter how hard I try, I can't break this cycle. Jesus comes to us Lutherans who who love to say, woe is me, I can do nothing. I'm weak and worthless, I have nothing to offer God. He comes to set us free. By not only dying the death that we deserve, but rising victorious over that death. And he promises that that same spirit that raised him from the dead now dwells in you and me. And since the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. And there's no amount of failure, no amount of temptation that could ever separate us from the love that this Son has for us. You know, as much as my my millennial sensibilities would would like the Reformation to be about sort of this anti-establishment movement, I realize that it's not about that at all. The the, the Reformation was not about just overthrowing the oppressive rule of, of, of some rich, powerful church leaders. The Reformation was about real, lasting freedom, the sort of freedom that only Jesus can bring. The Reformation was and continues to be about a return to the gospel. A gospel that says on the cross and in the empty tomb, the Son has set us free. He set us free from sin so that our entire lives, regardless of our circumstances, would not be lived in enslavement. The gospel is about real, lasting freedom from the sin that is behind every oppressive institution, the sin that is behind every temptation, the sin that is behind all of our guilt, all of our shame, Christ has come to set us free from that. And by the power of his cross, by rising victorious over the grave, the Son has come to you and he has set you free. And so today and every single day, you are free indeed. Amen?